I'm Krista Brown. Welcome to the Choice to Be Happy podcast. Anna and I had a chance encounter at the housewarming of a magical, beautiful friend. We bonded over hors d'oeuvres and drinks, and before you knew it, we're leaning on the counter of the kitchen sink and sharing our life stories with one another. Anna, as I would come to find out, was a 2008 Olympian in the 3K steeplechase held in Beijing, China. She's also a certified CrossFit coach, a wife, a mother of two dogs, and the only female athlete in the world to run under nine minutes and 30 seconds in the steeplechase, under four minutes for the 1500 meter, and under two minutes for the 800 meter. This is her story. So Anna, how does it feel to hear all those accolades? I think now I feel a lot better about hearing all those accolades. I have a lot more appreciation for it. When I was younger, I had uh, thoughts that went through my mind when anybody would say anything about my personal records or the accomplishments that I had had. I always thought, well, why didn't I ever get a medal? Or, you know, I really wish I could have broken the American record again, something like that. But now, instead of feeling that way, I feel a lot more content with what I accomplished. So let's educate some people about your beginnings. So where are you from originally? I'm from Maine originally. I grew up on a farm, a really small kind of hay farm. We had chickens and cows and horses and pigs and uh, a lot of animals just running around (laughs) the barnyard. Um, Yeah, it was very, uh, I guess kind of thinking back on it, kind of idyllic. Very small town. Um, There really wasn't anything in the town whatsoever. Um, So I would often not see anybody like no couldn't really see any neighbors from my house um grew up in the woods using my imagination more than any sort of technology so uh wasn't really allowed to watch tv <laughs> yeah very very different upbringing than i think a lot of my peers uh now so looking back i have a lot of appreciation for it but when i was in it i mm. just could not wait to to get out of maine and to be something bigger something greater And it kind of gave me that opportunity to really let my mind run and think of all the amazing things that I could possibly do. And I think I spent a lot of my childhood in my own brain (laughs) imagining all the great things that I could do. And honestly, that served me really well through my whole career because I could imagine all the things that I wanted to do before I actually did them. Um, So interesting upbringing. Um, So grew up with... Uh, Just one older brother on a farm in the middle of Maine and grew up doing all the haying with my dad. He used to have a crew when I was younger, so he had a bunch of people working for him. But as I got older, he kind of downsized a little bit um, and I became his his main hay crew. (laughs) So yeah, it was it was pretty cool, though. Um, So I worked with him till I was about 19. Wow. So how did all that farm life bring you to find running? Uh, Well, grew up in the middle of nowhere. uh, So a lot of times I would do some running to kind of stay in shape for basketball. Um, I liked like challenging boys to races. I always really had this fixation where I wanted to beat boys Mm. because they're supposed to be physically superior. And that always really got on my nerves, even though I'm at a disadvantage, can I still beat them? Um, so that was like my favorite thing to do when I was young. Uh, and then that kind of just like, uh, snowballed and, um, I, I decided to go out for a cross country. I think only because the only other option for girls uh, at my high school was uh, field hockey and you had to wear a skirt. And once again, I think my idea of feminism at that time was <laughs> I'm not going to wear a skirt when <laughs> <Yes>. I compete. <laughs> yeah. I said, all right, I'll go out for a cross country. Um, and obviously basketball was in the winter, so it wasn't going to interfere with that. And then I could do outdoor track in the spring. Mm. Unfortunately for me, I'm only five, four, <laughs> so <laughs> did not really have a future in basketball. Um, but I just kept getting better and better at running. Um, 
and thought I was doing great because in the state of Maine, which is not that competitive nor that deep in terms of competition. So <laughs> I'm placing pretty well at track meets and in cross country meets uh, through my high school career. And so I'm thinking I'm really hot stuff. And then I get recruited to go to college. So as you were running in high school, could you see yourself continuing that through college? Yes, definitely. Um, I think especially after maybe my sophomore year in high school, I really started to see running could be kind of my way out. I already had really great grades, um, but I went to such a small high school and I knew that our high school wasn't that challenging um, in terms of comparative schools in our state. And then knowing that I'm competing against everybody else in the whole nation as well in terms of academics, I knew I needed something else to kind of set myself apart. And I started realizing that running quickly could be that thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I already was like into all the clubs. I really didn't have all that many friends in high school. Um, yeah, I was just very focused on wanting to get my, uh, my journey out of Maine <laughs> <laughs> on the road. Not that I disliked anything in my childhood and anything or like, um, at my high school necessarily. I just really felt like I needed to blossom and I felt like I needed, or I had something bigger that was supposed to be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, so just had this really strong pull to get, to get out of Maine and to kind of explore. Um, so running started to really kind of go forward from there. Uh, so junior year, uh, I started to really notch my times down um, and ran my PR in the in the mile at that time was 5'11", wow. which I thought was fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you for the wow. <laughs> <laughs> On a national scale, thank God the internet was not that big at that point because I didn't know I wasn't mm. actually that good. But in my mind, I'm like, 5'11", <laughs> I'm really close to five. This is great. Mm. Um, and so my junior year, I started really going around trying to figure out colleges, uh, did a ton of tours with my dad up and down the, the coast, kind of just stopping in a bunch of places. And I, I knew I wanted to stay driving distance from home. Um, I had looked at university of Wisconsin cause my uncle lives out there. Yeah. And so talked to them and this was a little bit of a, a sign of what was to come, but, uh, he said, if you want to run on our team, you have to run under 450 in the mile. And I said, what? Drop 21 seconds to just, to, to just be recruited wow. to run on their team, um, to not even get a scholarship. So I'm thinking, holy crap, <laughs> I guess I'm not prepared uh, to run at that level. Um, but I still thought I could run kind of in the smaller schools uh, in the Northeast. So after a bit of searching, uh, narrowed it down to a couple schools mm -hmm. and really enjoyed Brown. I liked my visit there a lot. Um, I thought it was a really free thinking kind of wild school. Mm -hmm. Like I liked that where there wasn't as much structure and I, I enjoyed that freedom to kind of just find my own path. So I thought that would be a really good fit. Um, and they were division one. So I okay. could, you know, I'd have the opportunity to run at a high level if I was to improve. And what's that like? So as a runner, when you have a college in mind, that's ideal, mm -hmm. do they, do you wait for them to come to you and approach you? Do you seek them out? Like, how does that work? So usually you kind of seek them out. I think now you could probably go online and fill out a survey. Mm. Um, back then, I think it was probably, I would send them in. I think I might've even written letters. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What? I feel like it was like the dark ages. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember filling out a couple forms or something like that and sending that in, um, just a questionnaire of kind of what I've done accolades at that point. Um, and what I'm looking for and what my GPA and stuff like that is. Uh, so once you get connected with a coach, then they call you. Um, I think there's a certain amount of hours or something like that. They're allowed. There's all these NCAA rules with it, but, um, so you'd have conversations with them on the phone and, uh, if it's a good fit, if they think it's, it's going someplace good and you'll fit in with their team, then you'll set up like an official visit, but definitely to take those steps. I had to do a lot of research. I remember going to the 
the library at school and doing a ton of research <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, what kind of schools were there? Were, were they competitive athletically and academically? Um, there really isn't that many who are top tier academics and athletics in the Northeast. So it, the search kind of narrowed down pretty quickly. So if we fast forward, you get accepted into Brown. Did they offer you like incredible scholarships or financial aid because of your, your skill? So interestingly, uh, the Ivy League does not allow athletic scholarships. Luckily, my parents, since we were not very well off, uh, I got a lot of financial aid. So made a big, big difference. And because my brother's older, he was in school, we overlapped for two years. Um, so that helped too because your FAFSA goes down. So if anybody is familiar with uh, doing financial aid, FAFSA is something that you have to file beforehand. So it's like a tax form. Yeah, I have not said that word in so I know. long. I don't know why I remember that yet. <laughs> um, so I was able to kind of be able to get through a pretty uh, expensive education mm. <laughs> without having to pay a ton, which was huge. So I was actually thankful that my parents had, yeah. didn't make that much money. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what was it like once you got there? I mean, up until that point, you're running in high school. Like, How big of a difference are we talking in terms of like intensity. Oh my God. Shocking. (laughs) Such a change. I ran, you know, a handful of days a week, maybe maximum 20 miles a week in high school. Didn't do long runs. Didn't really do workouts at all. Uh, We didn't have a track at my high school. Um, so I'd do like circles around this median, uh, in the middle of the parking lot. Wow. Yeah. So very, very big difference. I would take two days off a week before leading up to big races because I wanted to be rested. Mm. <laughs> Going into my freshman year, my mileage more than doubled. I started running 50 miles a week, doing like t- 10 to 12 mile long runs, um, doing really intense workouts multiple times a week. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then I quickly found out that I was, uh, of the nine recruits, I was the worst in terms of time. Um, wow. Yeah, so definitely a bit of a rude awakening, but um, I felt like that was kind of a pivotal moment too because I was able to rise to that challenge. Mm. Coming in saying, you know, you should probably be 25th out of 25 people on this team see how you do. And me saying, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So being able to come in and I think I was still top five that as a freshman. So really, really wanting to excel and kind of rise to the top. So it never like at any point made you go down in the dumps or anything. You kind of like found out where you stood and you were like, okay, I'm going to just improve. Yeah. I think at that point I was full of so much hope and vigor and excitement. Like the world is just my oyster mm. at that point. So I was just Nothing really could get me down, even though I was tired all the time. Like it was exhausting, but you're so resilient when you're 18, (laughs) like Uh, physically and I think spiritually, like I was just excited to be there. And I felt like I had four years to improve and it was okay if I was only fifth on the team as a freshman, there was more ahead. And what would you say your, your teammates were like, what was that experience like being going, kind of going through this whole journey with a group of other people? I thought it was pretty cool. Um, a group of other like powerfully minded women, um, who were trying to make big things happen academically and also get stuff done athletically. I really enjoyed that. Um, I didn't have any females really on my team in high school, so I was always surrounded by guys. Very different atmosphere <laughs> than being with a bunch of women. Um, some of my best friends are still from uh, Brown on our cross-country team. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you kind of form a very unique bond in that situation. So... Um, fast forwarding. So what happens after that? Where did you go after completing Brown? So I got injured while I was at Brown, um, kind of stagnated a bit my sophomore and junior year athletically and kind of thought maybe even maybe about quitting at a couple mm. different points. Cause I just felt like I was putting my heart into it. And a lot of my time, three sport athlete is, it's a lot of time yeah. and not getting that much back. Um, 
we ended up getting, uh, I got hurt my, my junior year, so I missed a whole season of outdoor track. So I had this little season of eligibility that I never used. Um, and a lot of other schools, like if you go to like a Stanford or a, a state school, you could take a red shirt season. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of that. No, what does that mean? You don't compete. And if you do compete, you wouldn't wear the school uniform. Mm. Um, so a lot of other schools allow that. Uh, at Ivy League schools, you're not allowed to compete for five years unless you're getting a dual degree. So um, I wasn't about to get a second <laughs> major. So so then my, my senior year, uh, we got a new coach. Um, and she was a firecracker. Mm. Uh, a like short, young dynamo, like just full of energy. Yeah. And very high strung <laughs> and, and very, um, how would I describe Craig? She, she was in your face. Okay. Like she was not going to take no for an answer. And I was the captain as a senior and I had been on the hiring committee to bring her in. Wow. So I actually felt like somewhat, uh, responsible for her success, but also like that the people on the team liked her. But a lot of times I was having a lot of pushback and feeling like, Oh my God, you're making so many changes on our team. So how do I manage authority and also still kind of look supportive in front of all the other athletes? So it was definitely a lot of the go between, uh, mm-hmm. that year. So the first four months was rough. Uh, the cross country season, she kept coming, we'd have sit downs and she'd be like, Anna, you need to lose weight, which sounds like something that you probably wouldn't want to hear from a, a coach. Yeah. And she didn't mean that in the Anna, you're fat way. It's Anna, you need to make better decisions with what you eat. And it was an unemotional uh, comment. And I think it was actually very important for me to hear. And uh, looking back, it was really helpful that she was able to kind of deconstruct my life and say, all right, you need to have a set bedtime. Why are you going to bed at 1 a.m. one night and 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. another night? Like mm-hmm. you're all over the place. You need to live your life like an athlete. You are not living your life like an athlete. Wow. Um, yeah. Why are you working three jobs? I'm like, well, because I'm trying to pay for my tuition. Uh, my parents really weren't in a position to help me out. And they, and she said, just take out a loan. You'll pay it off later. Like be a normal person. Yeah. Just like little decisions like that over and over again. Um, she really started to say, Hey, and I'm starting to see something in you, you could actually be pretty good. Um, and I'm not really seeing it quite happening in my workouts yet. I'm not really seeing it in my, in my races, but then, um, at the end of cross country season, I had a really kind of a breakthrough race at our, uh, HEPs, so our, um, conference championships. And I started to see what she was talking about. And then the wheels really started turning because then that indoor track season, um, things really started taking off. Uh, and we qualified for nationals. The first time I ever had qualified for nationals, which for a professional runner, for somebody who went to the Olympics to say that the first time they qualified for nationals is when they were a senior in college is pretty much unheard of. It's really, really unusual. She starts pushing and saying, you know, Hey, you have that leftover season of eligibility. You were injured last year. Why don't you use that someplace else? So, uh, I did like that whole recruitment process all over again. Wow. Yeah. And, um, it was kind of cool. I actually talked to the university of Wisconsin and (laughs) was like, Hey, I broke for the 450. I've done a lot more than break 450 at this point. Yeah. So cool. But I ended up going to uh, university of Michigan for grad school for, to use that last season of eligibility. And finally I got a a scholarship. Yeah. (laughs) And so is it a huge difference between Brown and Michigan in terms of the training, the people, is it a completely different vibe? Oh, so, so different. So like I was saying, Brown is really like kind of free thinking. They encourage you to really kind of take your own path. If you want to study abroad twice, go for it. If you want to make your own major, do it. If you want to take every class pass fail, do whatever you want. I love that freedom. Yeah. Um, really kind of a unique academic environment where there it's way less about, 
uh, striving and well, they try to make it less about, (laughs) you know, trying to compete against each other. And it's more about like, how can you expand your mind? Mm. Um, Michigan's very much more like a traditional state school where um, my professors knew who I was as an athlete. They said, we watched your races. Like I've never had that feeling before. Um, Super competitive. Obviously their football team's amazing. The campus is huge. The population of the campuses or the school is much, much bigger than Brown. So environment wise, very, very different. Team wise, very, very different. Um, At Brown, I was by far the star. which was a cool experience, but I was ready to grow and kind of have that same moment that I had going into Brown where I was not the best on the team and had to rise. Mm. And so the same thing happened. I went to Michigan and they had national champions and, um, they were big 10 champs the year before in cross country. So I was getting my butt kicked at every discipline, (laughs) every workout we had. It was, and they worked out so much and so hard way harder than I ever had before. Um, by Sunday afternoon, I would just be like (laughs) flat out on the couch, exhausted. (laughs) Um, yeah. So the intensity, the volume, everything went up. Um, and it really paid big dividends. How did you get from Michigan to the Olympics? What kind of pivotal moments did you have to go through to even qualify? Yeah. So at Michigan, um, we had a great team. Uh, so I was able to be pushed all the time, improved so much, uh, that I ended up winning the national championship that year in the steeplechase, broke the national record. Um, so really high, high moment for me, like way cooler than any, anything I had done at that point. Um, so at that point you get recruited by, uh, agents. So agents started calling me, um, kind of the week of nationals. And I think after too, like on the phone, yes, on the phone. Wow. And they know my, they knew my coach. So my coach kind of could say like, Hey, you know, this person's trustworthy. They work with all these other people, but you know, it's your decision. So you, you decide. So I I talked to a couple different agents, selected an agent, and then they negotiated a contract for me. So then after I won nationals, I went pro, uh, so signed with Nike. And then, um, the week after that was the U S champs. So I was second at the U S champs that year. So I wow. made the, the world championship team yes. and up to that point. I think I was a little bit ignorant to what was above, uh, NCAA track and field, kind of like when I was in high school and I didn't really know what was going on in college. When I was in college, I didn't really know what was going on in the professional ranks. I just graduated from college, showed up at this professional track meet for the first time and got second. And I was like, Oh, how did this happen? <laughs> like, this is amazing. Um, quickly found out that in the steeplechase, the women in America are not at a international level. So mm-hmm. I did not make the world championship final. And I was like, holy crap. I just like got my blowers, <laughs> doors blown off. Yeah. Um, and what do I have to do now to make the final at the Olympics next year? So that became kind of like my primary goal, which was really crazy to say from two years before when I couldn't even really qualify for a conference final. That's so crazy. Yeah. It was just like such a meteoric rise. Um, so you were asking kind of what's a pivotal moment in that time. Yeah. I I think definitely having Craig Lake, uh, show up my senior year at Brown, definitely nothing would have happened with my life had it not been for that. Mm. (laughs) Like in terms of running career, I, I really give a lot to her because if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have taken that next step forward to even look at going to Michigan, nor would I have gotten accepted to go to Michigan. So that was huge. Obviously the training at Michigan was also really huge, uh, being able to handle that workload and dedicate way more of my life to training. Um, I was able to kind of structure my days where like I, I could, I think I had mostly evening classes so I could, wow. yeah, I almost felt like I was living like a professional runner. Even then, mm. um, we would get in our budget. We had massages, total travel budget. We could go wherever we wanted. I mean, 
I was able to put together a pretty awesome season. Uh, and from there I felt like it was a stepping stone to becoming a pro. So it was a pretty seamless transition. On your whole like competing journey, did you, did you ever feel like you're missing out on anything or did you always kind of have that goal in mind and like you were content with that? I think at that point, I really just wanted to make the Olympics and I wanted to win the Olympic trials um, because I had gotten second at the U.S. champs and I was really like kind of fired up about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the next step, I definitely wanted to win. um, And I made the the next year, I did win the Olympic trials. I did um, make the Olympic final. So, you know, kind of checked off what I was looking to do for that season. Um, And then I think it started to really open my eyes, Mm -hmm. not only kind of what, I wanted to do for myself, but also what other American, especially American women were doing at that time. Mm. Um, there was a big drought in terms of any good performances. And then in 2007 at the world champs, when I was there, um, we had a medalist in the 10 K Kara Goucher. And then the next year at the Olympics, we also had a medalist in the 10 K and Shalane Flanagan. So to see both of those women, people who I ate dinner with at the holding camps and stuff to see them win medals. I'm like, why can't I? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I knew I wanted to take a step forward, um, and how can I do that? So I decided to join a fully professional team out in California. Um, And then from there, really decided that um, my number one goal is to win a medal. I honestly don't care about records. They're going to get broken. Mm. So at that point, I I think I had broken the American record in the steeplechase. But then I lost it because somebody else is going to break it. (laughs) And they always will. But if you win a medal... You can never take that away. You'll always be known for the, you know, an Olympic medalist or a world medalist. So that was my big goal. And I think that's probably, if I was to say a regret, I I kind of feel a little sad. Mm. I don't even know if I want to say sad. Just like some nostalgia, I guess, that I didn't really have that moment. Is it so like hectic and filled with kind of like this frenetic energy that a lot of athletes can't be really present or like how was it for you oh absolutely and I'm jealous of those athletes that can be fully present in those moments I was so focused on my race that I didn't really live the experience at all I actually didn't even go to the opening ceremonies Mm. like big regret why did I do that um but I just I wanted to be an athlete all I wanted to be was a good athlete that's I just wanted to focus all my energy on that so um at that point it didn't feel like a sacrifice to not Mm. go to the uh the opening ceremonies so no, it was, <laughs> I did not live, live in the moment <laughs> there. And I definitely feel like it was a pretty crazy atmosphere and I wasn't prepared for how big it feels and all the other athletes that are there because the world champs, is just uh, track and field and that feels big, but the Olympics, like the Olympic village is massive. Mm. So that energy for me, I can get really amped up. Yeah. <laughs> so that energy just kept like raising the bar for me just every day. I just felt like more and more excited. Um, and I needed to kind of pull myself out of that environment. And I actually ended up staying in a hotel off of the, uh, the campus just oh, because wow. I needed to kind of just get back to basics yeah. <laughs> and not be so, uh, amped up in that environment. Is there an odd feeling of like relief once it's done or is it like a, do you think the nostalgia hits like immediately of like that moment? I think there is relief. Like, Oh, I made it. I, I got there. Like, it's like something you've been working for, for a lot of people, it's their whole life. For me, it really was only about the year before mm-hmm. that I was dedicating like every moment of my life thinking about that. Um, so it's that relief of like, I accomplished that goal, but then it's, in turn, at the same time, you have the immediate thought of why didn't I 
get more. Mm-hmm. You know, I got 10th. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I get top five? Oh, if I had gotten fifth, I can guarantee why didn't I get top three? Mm-hmm. If I had gotten third, I probably would have said, I wish I had gotten silver. You know, it's, it's, there's always more, there's always better. And I think at that point in my life, I wasn't really satisfied with anything. That was 2008, but you continued to compete mm-hmm. for how long after that? Kind of on and off for about eight years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I tried to make the Olympics again in 2012. I actually had my best season ever the year after the Olympics in 2009. Um, 2010 was totally solid as well. Um, <clears throat> 2011, I had some health issues. Competed a decent amount, but ended up missing the world championship team that year. Mm. 2012, I was like really gunning to get back and raced a ton, uh, raced myself kind of back into fitness. Had a good end of the season, but I ended up not making the Olympic team. I was the alternate for the Olympic team. (laughs) Devastating. (laughs) Um, But still felt like very satisfied with my effort Mm. that season. I kind of brought myself back up to a high level again. Uh, And then had a string of injuries. (laughs) 2013, injured. 2014, injured. 2015, starting to get some momentum. Break a bone in my foot. Uh, yeah, so it's by the end of or middle of 2015, I'm just like I've had enough. I've been dedicating my whole life to this. At this point, I'm like not even really able to support myself. Um, so, in 2015, I just said I'm done. I'm taking a break. Mm. Um, at that point, I think I thought it was forever, but decided uh, to just start working kind of at a wellness center, and then um, actually ended up having the opportunity. I got healthy um, and felt pretty good, and started kind of changing how I I trained and made a little hurrah and tried to make the Olympic team again in 2016. I didn't, but it was fun. Yay. (laughs) So you, you spent, it sounds like you spent, what was it? 10 years kind of focusing on one thing, like one, not even one thing, but focusing on this, this sport, this, this craft, and then, you know, trying and trying and trying and then making the choice to kind of like, to not compete anymore. What's that, what's that like to kind of come out of that? I think when I felt like my hand was forced, like I was injured and I reactively had to say, all right, I guess I'm done. I'm just so frustrated. Um, that sucked. Mm. Like transitioning out of that and trying to live like a normal human, like (laughs) everybody else who was in their early (laughs) thirties at that point. Yeah. They, they have had like a crazy twenties. I don't know. They've gone out, they've gone on vacations. It's life has been like, I don't know, they've been building in their career, but I just think the way that I lived my life was so different than Mm. everybody else. So I felt like I was like in an alien world all of a sudden, like trying to make friends. Like I go to bed at 10 o'clock every night. So I sort of felt like I had to recap some of the stuff that I had missed in my 20s in a weird way. Um, But then also... I think having the opportunity to get back into training and do it on my own terms and say like, Hey, even if I don't make the Olympic team or even if I don't make the Olympic trials, it's more about like, let's see what I can do in this short amount of time. Mm. And if it doesn't go, then it's fine. And I still have the opportunity to say, yes, I want to train some more or no, I'm feeling like it's not there anymore in my life. And to get to that point and actually say, no, you know what? I actually feel like at this point it's a sacrifice to train. Whereas before it never did. It always felt just natural and it's like my calling. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to a point where I'm like, eh, I don't have that fire as much as I used to. It was cool to get to that point. I, I, I can kind of relate to what you're talking about. Just um, there was a point in my life where I really thought acting was going to be my life and I didn't have to think about it. It was just like in my body, everything was like fluid and magical and beautiful. And then there was a point in my life where I was like, I'm really forcing this. And it felt kind of like that, uh, what do you call it? Like square peg, 
circle hole thing. Yes. Like fit, yeah. fit. And it yeah. just doesn't fit. And I just think it's, it's, uh, I think having that awareness is really good. Cause I think what really trips people up sometimes is not even being aware that they're forcing it. Mm-hmm. And then you have something that was your passion that now becomes like this, this chore and there's no joy in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a fun, it's a funky thing to realize too. Yeah, I do. I feel like it becomes something that it's all I've ever known for 10 mm. years and it was so all consuming and I don't know, I, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> something else that's going to feel that much intensity, that mm. much joy and sorrow and mm. uh, hope. And I mean, it's like, my, it was my life. Like I turned away pretty much anything like family, friends, location, homes. I just didn't care about anything else, only running. So to live your life so singularly, Mm. and then all of a sudden to start feeling like my life is starting to fill up with other things Mm. and my heart is starting to fill up with other things. And I don't have that much of my heart to give to just running anymore. Like I have my two little pups and they're my love. I love them (laughs) and my husband and my home and this community. And Mm. so now it's like, I want to give more of myself to that kind of stuff. So I don't know if anything will ever feel that same intensity, that same mm. need that I had then. I think it might have just been a time in my life. Although who knows? Yeah. I'm only 34. It could, yeah. <laughs> it could still happen. Who knows? Yeah. Actually, I was watching this movie on Netflix yesterday where the guy says he had this idea of everyone is like a web and you have like family, friends, loved ones, and you have this weird idea that like none of those things attached to you will be able to function without you. And then you drop something here, you drop something there, and it's like the web will naturally like disconnect, connect. Like we have these things and ideas that we feel really like attached to. And then you find out when those things like fall away, you get new attachments and new things to like drive you. So like you had, you were driven so much by a love of running and competing. So what do you think drives you now? What would you say that is? I think probably finding a balance in my life now. Um, I definitely want to impart some of the knowledge that I've learned because I've learned a lot. I mean, basically Mm. you spend 10 years devoting yourself to a craft and especially going through rough patches. I think I learned the most in those injury moments. Um, So that's kind of what I do now. I I help people with their injuries. I coach runners. um, I do some classes just for runners on weightlifting. Mm. Um, So I I like to kind of play with that little specialty a little bit um, so that I can give some of the stuff that I've learned. But also just having a balance in my life. I think for so long I was like striving to be the best, the best, the best, the best. What the hell does that get you at the end of the day? Like it's just a an accolade that you're going to tell me <laughs> that I did. Yeah. But I don't really identify with that anymore. Um, I'm not really looking for a certain number in my bank account. I don't necessarily need any plaques on my wall. I just feel like having a balance in my life where I can do the things that I love meet the people that I cherish and have Mm. great conversations with people and make a positive impact on the people around me. Mm. Um, yeah. And just get back to nature a little bit more. So I just feel like I'm getting into like, I sound like such a freaking hippie now when I'm saying all this, but (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I'm getting back a little bit more to my roots. Like Mm. I, I really needed to spread my wings, fly around the world and like find my love, my power, my passion. Mm. And then it's been really rewarding to come kind of full circle back to the Northeast again and just really put down roots and mm. feel like content. 
I think it's so beautiful that you you came from the farm, <laughs> you know, and kind of back to the farm in like the mental sense of um, balance and imagination and nature and connection. And you found, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like life really does does work that way. Mm-hmm. You find what you're meant to find when you're meant to find it. And like, mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think I just have to be kind of open to things now. Like I've identified myself as an athlete now for whatever, the better part of two cent- uh, centuries, not centuries, <laughs> decades. Um, definitely not centuries. 200 years. <laughs> I'm actually Benjamin Button. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, who knows where life might take me from here. So I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of at that point where maybe I might do another pivot at some point. I, I don't know a hundred percent, but I think if I find something that really lights my fire, I could easily take off in a completely different direction. So before we conclude today's wonderful interview, we do have a listener question, um, from Lisa and she asks, where do you get your motivation and discipline from? And were there any low points that you experienced that made you doubt yourself? And I would say that can be now or in the past. So I think motivation is interesting. I actually read um, this book called The Four Tendencies, uh, talking about um, kind of what motivates people and how you respond to expectations within yourself. Um, And reading about that, like kind of just understanding different personality types, really kind of honed in and identified for me exactly who I am, that I'm so much like intrinsically motivated. Mm. I create goals for myself and I achieve them for myself. I don't do it for other people. I don't do it for uh, recognition. Um, I'm not looking for praise from other people. I don't necessarily do it for, I definitely don't do it for money. Mm. Um, So recognizing that I think along the, along my path was really, really helpful because I was very content to just make a goal for myself and just chip away working on that. Mm. Um, and then the second part of her question was asking if I had any disappointments, what was it? Any, um, low points you experienced where you doubted yourself? Um, so low points for me, definitely, uh, my, I think it was my sophomore junior year at Brown, uh, getting injured for the first time, really all of a sudden realizing that my body is not a super superhero and that I'm, I'm a human. Yeah. Um, I think really made me kind of question everything about, uh, why was I being an athlete? Why was I dedicating so much of my life to something that I'm not even that good at? Like, what's the point of doing this? Do you actually love it? And so I kind of had to buy back in and find, um, my own path with it. So I remember meeting with my coach at the time, um, my first coach at Brown and just saying like, I need to be something different. I want to be a good athlete. Like what is my best opportunity to do that? And he's the one who suggested, well, why don't you run the steeplechase? We have an an opening here. So why don't you try it? So I think those big disappointments that you might feel actually kind of are born into something bigger, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was my first foray running the steeple and that ended up being what I made the Olympics in. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, if I hadn't had that moment of really big disappointment, I don't think I would have ever I was out of kind of a crux where I was going to quit. Um, and then as a professional, yeah, obviously a big disappointment not making the Olympic team in 2012. Um, but I think looking back on it, it's not a disappointment at all. In the moment, it's absolutely crushing. Yeah. Like this is what you live your life for and then you don't get it. <laughs> uh, looking back on it though, I, I had an opportunity then to, I could decide, was I going to run the 800, the 1500 or the steeplechase? For an athlete to say, I have the opportunity to run three different events that's huge. And yeah. not looking back on it now, I can actually appreciate that. But in the moment I was like, I want to run the most competitive one and I want to freaking win it. <laughs> like, 
Because <laughs> I wanted that uphill battle. Like, I didn't want anything easy. Like, mm. I, you know, I wanted to do it correctly. Like, I wanted to do it cleanly. Mm. There was a lot of drugs happening <laughs> around the time that I was competing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to do it honestly and hardly mm. and, and hard and to my best. And how does all this translate to your life now? So like, what are your non-negotiables? Like I'm imagining Anna's waking up at like five in the morning. <laughs> she's chugging eggs. She's in Lowell, <laughs> running through the streets, pumping iron. I think all my athletes that I coach also have that image. Somebody asked me the other day, like how many hours a day are you working out? I'm like, I don't know, like one. <laughs> like I ima- like I imagine you've, you've kept up, I mean, to me, you're in magical shape. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so I'm imagining you keep up, you know, a certain routine. Would you say that? Yeah. And I think the year after I, I decided I was done. So like 2017, well, geez, that was last year. Um, <laughs> I think I kind of like struggled finding a balance. Like I was like, I like working out and I, I, I can work out with my athletes, but then when I'm by myself, like, why am I doing this? I had a lot of those moments of like, why am I doing this? Mm. Um, and this year I've just come to accept, I really like working out. I just, I, I enjoy moving my body. I like pushing myself. I love sweating. I like mm. being hot and just striving. And I also kind of like being, having that feeling where I'm like a month out from, I could always run like a decent race, mm. you know, give me like a month and I, I could get prepared. <laughs> like I'm, I'm always in like decent shape. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's like, you're give like me 30 days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> So I just, I don't know. I, I enjoy the process a lot more than I used to. I used to just work out because I just wanted to win mm. and it was all about the competition. Now I think I've, it's just been such a big part of my life. Like yeah. I, I just love it. And what is your favorite meal to eat and what is it? Oh man, that's hard. So my biggest thing is variety. Okay. Like I hate eating the same thing all the time and I'm a big stickler for like trying new things and I love all sorts of different cuisines. Um, so not a big fan of just like repetitive good favorite meal. Okay. And I think a lot of times I, and like maybe my favorite things are rotating all the time. Mm. That being said, I love pesto. <laughs> you can like smear that on anything. <laughs> Mix it in my egg. Put that on anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like anything with pesto in it and I'm a pretty happy lady. Um, a favorite, favorite meal. I mean, all the bad stuff. I mean, let's be honest, like really good mac and cheese. Oh. Ooh, like a really nice donut. Oh. Like, yeah, the things oh. that, yeah, you don't eat that often, okay. but yeah. I need that. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> but the good stuff. Yes. Well, Anna, it's been such a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks very much, Krista. Talking to you. Um, do you want to share where people can find you, whether it's online or at work? Sure. Um, so I am... This is kind of an interesting question, actually, because I'm not very into social media. Um, I don't know. What? I know. I don't... I just have such a pushback with it. I just feel like I live my life trying to be my authentic self. And a lot of times online, people are just trying to put out bullshit. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just... I I have a lot of trouble posting things about myself. I could be an advocate for somebody else all day long. But when I have to put out pictures of who I am and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It just feels really false. So I just mm. kind of stopped doing the whole social media thing. I still have stuff on there and I browse through it every once in a while and like, you know, see how other people are doing. So maybe in that way, I'm kind of a voyeur. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> creepy now that I say it. Um, but yeah, uh, if you wanted to get in contact with me, I suppose you could direct message me on Instagram at Anna M. Willard. Um, also, you could find me uh, at CrossFit Merrimack. Uh, I don't coach CrossFit anymore, but I'm there most of the time because I coach a lot of runners. And so we meet there um, as kind of our launching point. Um, 
So if you need to get in contact with me through that, check out our website at www.crossfitmerrimack.com slash Anna. Yay, slash Anna. Yeah. And are we talking any skill level here? Like, can I roam off the street and say, <laughs> Anna, mold me, shape me? Yes, I think as long as you have a goal, or even if you don't know what your goal is, and if you want to just talk through, hey, you know, I want to get into running. Um, I don't have that many, like, beginner runners. Mm. Um, usually there are people who have started running at some point. Okay. Um, because it takes a decent amount of self-discipline. So um, as long as you want to run, I'm very happy to to help you run. (laughs) Great. Well, everyone, that wraps up the Choice to Be Happy podcast. Remember, you can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you have any guests that you have in mind or just want to learn more, you can go to choicetobehappy.com or email me at choicetobehappypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. 